Good morning. Hey, I'm Stephen. I am the pastor here at Grace Church. Uh, so glad that you guys are here with us. Uh, just as Brandon was saying, this is such an exciting time of year for us here uh, at Grace with all of the different events that we get to do. I have an app on my phone called Time Hop. Does anybody else have this app? And it like reminds me of what happened a year ago on this date and two years ago on this date. So even this app like reminds me that it was today a year ago that we did uh, one of the movie nights uh, last year. And just cool to see how God really works in a special way uh, during the summer season here at Grace Church. And one of the things that came up on my time hop this past week was, and this kind of blew my mind because I've just, I've forgotten how far um, God has brought us in the past year. But um, there was a picture from one of our early vision parties at the Bridgewater Library basement. Raise your hand if you, were, if you came to one of those with us. Um, not a lot of us, but some of us did, and we remember uh, what it was like back then. Uh, this was a year ago this week. There were about 75 of us that had stepped forward and said that, that, that you wanted to help. A lot of you had already been going to Grace Church in Avon, and you'd been driving maybe 30-plus minutes to get there, and you were excited to be able to worship somewhere closer to home. Some of you were, like, you joined in that process, and, like, somebody invited you and said, hey, a new church is coming to this area. We want to be a part of it. Um, we're about 75. Now we have close to 300 people that are here on a Sunday, um, and, and it's so exciting to see what God has done just in this past year and we, were, we didn't know where to meet a year ago because we had this building, but we didn't have a certificate of occupancy yet because everything had to be brought up to code. Um, and so we were looking for spaces to meet, and the only space that we could find in the area that could, that could fit like 75 people was the library. And it was kind of a weird space. Those of you that were there and remember that we were in the basement of this, of this place that uh, was usually used for kind of weird events that happened throughout the week. Like, I, I study from there sometimes, and I had to stop because some of the events were just a little odd. Like, there were a lot of mom groups that meet there, and that's not weird, but they were kind of weird mom groups that met. And a lot of, like, a lot of magic shows happen for somewhere there. Like, there's a lot of magicians that use that space, and sometimes it's mom groups and magicians. It was odd. So I didn't think anyone would even come if we did it there. And it's cool that these people, and this, some of your families were a part of this, like, you came early on because you believed God was going to do something new in this area. And then we started meeting in the school, and then we came in here on Super Bowl Sunday, and it's just, it's cool to see what God has done in the past year. Here's what I love about the Grace Church story is it started, like our location started with a few families that were passionate about seeing this mission lived out and were consistent about showing up and helping to build it. And, and we believe here at Grace Church that we cannot do what God's called us to do. We cannot fulfill the vision um, without people that are consistently committed to being here with us. Um, that church is a team sport. It's not a spectator sport. And um, and that, that's what we're going to continue on in this series that we've been in called Scoreboard today. And just like we did uh, this past, well, every week in this series, we gave you kind of like a scorecard. Um, and that, that's for you guys. That's not for us. That's just for you to self-assess where you're at in this journey. We've been in this series called Scoreboard, and what we're looking at is the different habits that a growing Christ follower um, should, should implement and should live out if they're growing in their faith. Like, the more, the more mature we become as a Christ follower and as a believer, um, the more evident these different habits should be. Um, and this week is one that I, I'm really excited about because, um, like, nobody here can mark down that you're a one out of five in this category because you're actually here. So some of them, like, in the past, you're like, okay, 
you know, with generosity, like that's when I really struggle with. I'm not giving anything right now. I'm a one and I've got a long way to go. But the fact that you're here, like that card that you have, that's for you to take notes and to take home and to think of what God might say to you this, like through this, this teaching time. Like what's something that highlights in your mind? Um, and, and we ask you every week to just kind of give yourself a grade, one to five. Like everybody here is at least a two because you came. Even if like you were forced to come here, like you're at least a D student right now, which is awesome. That's great, because some of you are like, I've been failing every class and every week in this scoreboard thing. Now I'm a two. Okay, good. We've got, we've got some progress there. Um, and here's what I love is as we talk about being consistent and prioritizing weekly worship, um, like what, what I love about this is how many families in this room have ch- drastically changed their family patterns on Sundays because they really want to be a part of this thing on Sunday morning. See, this isn't about perfect attendance, and this isn't about you being here because we want you to be here. This is about being here because we believe that this is a sacred time of your week, that God wants to speak to you. And it doesn't mean he can't speak to you other times of the week. He absolutely can. But there's something, there's something very special and unique about gathering with other Christ followers and opening the word of God, meeting with, Christ, with God's family with other brothers and sisters in Christ, hearing the word of God, that God loves to use this time, this unique time of week, to speak to us in a special way. And some of you have recognized that so much to the point that you used to work on Sundays, and then the more you started to follow Christ, the more you realized that you really need to be a part of this. And so you, you started asking off Sundays, or you worked around your work schedule. Some of you, like, Sunday's kind of like your chill family day, and you've shifted your pattern around to be here. Some, some of you had kids that play sports on Sunday morning, and that's the only time of the week that that sports league has games, and you have actually had your kids quit that league and join another one because you know it is so important for you and your kids to be a part of this. That, that's what I love. That's what it means to be consistent. Hebrews 10, 24, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is why this is so important, because God designed you to have a relationship with him. God designed you so that he could talk to you. And, and for some of us, that seems odd, like because we think of that and we think of like a scene from a movie where the heavens open up and we hear like, a, like God always has a really deep voice in movies, right? So he's like a bass in a chorus where he's like, hi, child. Like it's not like that though. God doesn't speak in that way. Um, he speaks more subtly. Like if, right now, if you tried to find something that you needed to hear through this teaching time and you wrote that down, to me, that's just as much God speaking to you. It doesn't have to be an audible voice from heaven. Uh, a lot of times it's more of like a nudge. But the reason that the writer of Hebrews says, let us not neglect meeting together is because this time is so unique. In fact, the Hebrew or the Greek word for, for meeting, it's, it's not just like a group of people coming together. This was a word that was designated specifically for a group of people that were united for a common purpose. So this was a special type of meeting that they're talking about in the Bible. When it says we meet together, this is different from any other hour of your week. This is different from any other event that you go to because this is a sacred time that a group of people come together to hear from God together. God, will you speak through your word to us? We believe that God's word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that when God, it's different from any book on your bookshelf, that when we read it together, it's the one book that changes your heart because this is God's word manifest through a book. 
This is a special time. And we believe that God wants to meet with you each and every week. And it doesn't mean that you're going to hear a booming voice from heaven. I never have. But at the same time, I hear from God all the time. And it's not that God's not speaking. It's that maybe we're not listening. And so I wanted to look at a passage in Acts chapter 3 that shows us what God might be able to do in our lives if we continued to position ourselves to meet with him every Sunday here at Grace Church. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. So this is like a daily opportunity to meet together for worship and prayer. And one of the ways that, it, that it's that being uh, consistent in prioritizing weekly worship is lived out is that I actively, like I participate in weekly worship and prayer. Like you participate in it. It's not just something that you come and you put in the bare minimum and you're kind of checking your phone the whole time and you're thinking about what you're going to do next, but like you're engaged here because you know that this is special. Like there's a reason why you decided to come here on Sunday instead of sleeping in or doing something else. So just like Peter and John, like it was a part of their pattern that at three o'clock, like even people that in, in that culture, in the Jewish culture that were working, like they'd stop what they were doing. And for an hour, they would go to the temple and spend time in prayer. And then they'd go back to work. Verse two, as they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. By the way, I, if I was crippled and I couldn't walk, I would hope I have the kind of friends that this guy has that every single day they took him to the temple. Isn't that unbelievable? Like, don't, isn't that the kind of friend that we want to have? The kind of friend we want to be is the kind of friend that every day would take this guy to the temple gates so that he could ask people for money so he could just live, like survive another day. And he would stand outside the temple gates because he knew that Jews, as they walked into the temple, were going to be more generous, partially because like, of their faith in God. And sometimes it was just out of obligation. Like they felt like in order to be made right with God, they needed to give more money. And so, so he would stand out there and he would ask them for money each and every day. Just imagine that. Every day, the same guy standing outside the temple asking for money. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, enter, he asked them for some money. Now here's what, like, I think about this guy. We never really met, we never really, like, know his name, and we don't really know his story after what's about to happen. But what we do know is that this guy had never been able to walk in his life. And in that culture, there was a common belief about God that if you were born crippled or with like a serious illness or mentally or physically handicapped in any way, they believed that you deserved it. They believed that it was actually a punishment from God because of the sins of your parents. So when parents, like, like when they had a child that was handicapped, they felt like God was punishing them. And they had to, because it took more work to raise that kid, that was God's way of paying them back for their sins. Now, that's not how God works. Some of us think that that is how he works, that when bad things happen to us, it's God punishing us for our sins. That is not how he works, but that's how people thought that he worked back then. So socially, this guy on a daily basis would have lived with this belief that he wasn't good enough, would have lived with this belief that God was, had cursed him. And every day, though, he still showed up to the temple and asked people for money. He didn't let that defeat him. 
He, he, he kept pushing forward and surviving. He somehow, as a crippled man who could never work, was able to survive into adulthood, even though people on not, a, not only a daily basis, but an hourly basis probably walked by him and judged him. Different from our society that has compassion on those who are disadvantaged and disabled. Back then, they, it was the opposite. They would walk past him and say, I'm not going to help this person. God punished them for a reason. So he had to deal with that on a daily basis, and yet he still consistently showed up to the temple each and every day. He showed up and he asked for money. And I imagine because of that cultural belief that people thought he was being punished, like his success rate for money was probably very low. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in sales before and you've learned that you're going to get more no's than yeses. Has anyone have any type of retail or sales job where you have to like, and you learn quickly, you're going to get way more no's than yeses, right? Well, imagine if your customer believed you were cursed by God. Like, you're probably going to get even less yeses, right? It, but you kind of learn when you're in sales that you have to ask X number of people in order to get this many sales. My first job that I, that I did any type of sales was um, at a franchise that is no longer with us called Blockbuster Video. Rest in peace. I will avenge you, Blockbuster. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what I'm going to do. They're dead. But I, that was my first job, like, when I was in high school that involved any kind of sales. And our manager came and gave us, like, this manager blockbuster pep talk and she said that um for for like the rest of the year that if you sell do you anybody remember a blockbuster back in the day do you remember the reward memberships okay some of you are reward members thank you for what you did to support the company that now failed but uh i i got a dollar commission for every rewards membership that i sold and then they said so it was like an incentive right and then they said that if i sold 10 in one shift then i got to take home any movie i wanted um, that was like my incentive, was every shift I came in, and that was my goal, was to sell 10 rewards memberships. Now, if I wanted to actually sell 10, I had to talk to more than 10 people, right? Because a lot of people, they're not even paying attention. They just think it's like some weird pyramid scheme, and they're just ignoring me. They're not even giving me eye contact. I feel disrespected and broken and hurt at this part-time job. And, but I realized that if I need to sell 10, I probably need to talk to like 40 customers in order to do that, because most of them say no, or they already have it, or they just don't trust me because I'm this chubby little teenager that they don't trust about any life decisions. And so I realized that if I got to sell 10, I'm, I'm going to try to talk to every customer. And like for every no, that's okay, because that just gets me closer to a yes. I don't know if that made sense, but in my mind it did and it worked. And I kept pushing forward until like I got 10, and then I'd be so excited about it, and I'd take like the receipts to my manager, and I'd be like, give me that movie. She's like, okay, you just sold 10 memberships, so it was totally worth it. But it's like this mindset that if I'm going to succeed, I have to keep pushing forward even when I hear no. Like, that was selling a reward membership that got people a bunch of free movies. They got something in return for it. I don't know how hard this guy's job would have been to try to ask people for money. A lot of times, the same group of people that came to the temple the day before. You know, and if you gave a guy money $5 a day before and he's in the same spot the next day, are you going to compel to give again? No, because you feel like the, the gift was worthless. It's like, well, I thought, why didn't you do something with the $5 I gave you yesterday? Like, why aren't you living in a house yet, man? Like, but on top of all of that was this belief that he was cursed from God, and he still showed up. He was still consistent. That, to me, that's the kind of posture I want to have when I come in to meet with God every week in our weekly worship service, is an expectation that as his friends are, are carrying him to the temple, he expected that God was going to provide for him. Even though he heard way more no's than yes's, and even though society had basically rejected him, he still showed up, 
And to me, that's the kind of expectation I want us to have every time we come in here. It is like a prepared heart, an expectant heart to hear from God, that God's going to show up, that this isn't just some random hour of the week, but walk into this room different than you would any other room throughout that, that you walk into throughout the week, prepared to hear from God because he wants to speak to us. And in this short teaching time that we have all week, I believe that if we come in saying, God, highlight something in this teaching time or the music time or in my conversations with people before or after, like in this time I'm at Grace Church, highlight something that I need to hear. I believe that if that's our prayer every single week as we're parking and walking in, we're going to find something. Because if you look for it, it's going to be there. Like it's not a matter that, that God isn't speaking. It's that we're not necessarily paying attention to it. And it's not a physical voice, it's a nudge. But there's certain things in your calendar that you walk in with a different expectation and anticipation, right? So like if you're going to a Patriots game, like sometimes you'll go early and you'll tailgate and it's like it's a whole day thing and you're excited and you're, like even if the Patriots lose, like there's this anticipation and excitement for the game that you're still gonna have fun at it. There's a certain energy coming in. It's not just something that you roll into, you buy a ticket, then you walk in. Like the whole day kind of revolves around it. Like you have this different mindset going in. And I think spiritually, that's what God wants our mindset to be when we come here together, is he's ready. God is ready to speak to us through his word. Like to me, I think of an event that I go to uh, every November called the Strategic Launch Network that to me is one of the most like transformational two days of my year every year that I get to go. And it's a gathering of about 25 different church planters from all over the country. And one of my mentors that lives in Dallas, Texas, invites me, Pastor Sean, um, and, and like a, a handful of other church planters from all over the country um, to come in, and that we, we're a part of this network of church planters that come in, that hang out with each other for a, for a few days, and then um, like a handful of the guys stand up and they teach, here's what God's done in our church the past year, and here's something I've learned. And they're like, here, like they've become experts in that thing. And these are some of the sharpest church planters in the entire country, that I, like some of the sharpest leaders that I've ever met. And I go into that opportunity, like it's such a unique invite-only opportunity that I go in with like a new notebook and, a pen, and like I'm there early and I'm getting a front row seat. I turn off my phone. I like, I don't take notes with my laptop because that's going to distract me. Like I want to be fully engaged in this time because the wisdom and the insight in those few days, like I soak it up. And I feel like because of the insight I hear in that room, it helps me to be a more effective leader. And it helps me to be a more effective pastor because I'm hearing from some of the sharpest guys in the country. So I walk into that with anticipation, like God's going to give me a ton of in information. I just pray that I'm not distracted and I can hear all of it. Like to me, that's the kind of posture that God wants us to have when we come in here each week. This isn't just like in between errands that you're running on Sundays. This is like a different moment of your week that you come in and God wants to meet with you. There's nothing sacred about this space, right? We know it's not because we, a lot of us remember the before of this space. Man, this used to be scary, this space. There's nothing sacred about these walls. What's sacred is what God is trying to do in this time together. Some of you, like, like we'll talk about a, a teaching that you weren't, you weren't in town for, you had vacation or you were camping or like your, your kid had something that pulled you out of town and we'll say, oh, what did we talk about? We said, oh, we talked about being devoted to your faith and your family and what it looks like for a healthy family to live out their faith together. And I'll hear all the time people say, oh man, I needed to hear that. 
Man, that, like, that's a message that our fam- I wish our family could hear. Or a lot of times afterwards on Sunday, people will come up to me in the Connection Center and say, hey, is this going to be online? Because you talked about marriage, and my husband, who wasn't here, he needs to hear that. So I'm going to play that for him later. Like we, or my kids need to, man, if they heard this, like they, this is the exact thing they've been asking about or praying about. And, like, and you're answering these questions. Like, the reason we say that is because God wants, to, like, God wants us to hear all of this. Like, none of this is by accident. We don't have throwaway weeks. We really believe that every single week there's something in here for you. That we believe some of you have come in and you might have like a prayer request that you've been praying for months and months and months and you had no idea what we were going to talk about this week and it's exactly what God wanted to say to you. And there's some passage that we throw up on the screens. You're like, yeah, I needed that affirmation. Or, you know what, God, I've been, like, I haven't been as prioritized in this and this kind of nudges me. You're right. I need to pay attention to this. That's our prayer. It's not that you walk away like guilted or like heavy, like you're doing something wrong, but excited that God's trying to get your attention, that the God of the universe cares enough about you that he's trying to get your attention. That's why we give you that communication card every week. Take notes, highlight something. A lot of you do that very diligently and you put it in your Bible and then like throughout the week you're opening your Bible and you're remembering that. That's why we have life groups so that we can talk about what God tried to tell us on Sunday through the teaching time. That's why when I was a student pastor, we had this thing called tweet your takeaway. Back in the day when people used Twitter, do you guys remember Twitter? Does anybody use that anymore? Like, it's like kind of a news thing now, but it, not, a lot of, not a lot of people use it. But back in the day, back in my day, like seven years ago, people used Twitter. And at the end of the service, or we, we do like a big student service on Sunday morning, um, and we would tell them, like as we did the transition from the teaching time into the worship time, we'd throw up the same slide every week, and it just said, tweet your takeaway, and it just asked one question. It says, what is the one thing that stood out to you this week? And it's, it's trying to get the students in the practice of there's one thing, if there's one thing that you heard that you needed to hear, that you wrote down, what is that? What's the one thing? And that, that like part of it was if, you, if you're driving home with your parents and they say, hey, what did they talk about in the student worship? Service? Like you've got an answer. It's like, oh, we talked about you know, whatever, not just the subject, but what's the one thing that you needed to hear? To me, that's the kind of practice of coming in prepared to hear from God. Verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently. He says, do you have any money? Peter and John looked at him intently, and they changed the conversation. Peter said, look at, look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. At which point, he was probably disappointed. And he's like, next, right? But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, Get up and walk. So here's what happened. This guy asks, asks them for money, and in return, because he, he keeps showing up and he's consistent, God gives him something so much better than money. And in my mind, if you come in expecting more, you will receive more. If you come in with a heart like God, just speak. Like if you just pray a 10-second prayer as you walk through those doors every week, God, just highlight something in my mind I need to hear. Highlight something that I need to do. He will. Like, if we're looking for it, we're going to find it. Like, he went looking for money, not for healing. But because he was there, where he was supposed to be, he got something better. The problem is not that God isn't speaking. It's that we aren't ready to hear from him, and we aren't listening. And some of you are coming in expecting one thing, and God is going to give you something else, something so much better, an answer that answer, like an answer to a question that you don't even know you're asking, that connects the dots, that gives healing, that gives encouragement that you didn't even know you needed. 
but it's coming and positioning your mind for that. And that's what this guy did. So he's asking for money, and he's hopeful, even though he's getting no, 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 he's hopeful God's still going to provide for him. And because of that, here's what God does. Verse 7, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, and he helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Now just for a moment, imagine that you've never walked in your life, and a stranger walks up to you, and says, I don't have any money, but just get up and walk. What's your thought going to be? Dude, I can't. Right? You'd be almost annoyed at this stranger who's just saying, why are you just sitting there? Just stand up and walk. And he, he's like, I, I can't. That's why I'm standing here. You're asking me to do so. That's why, like, that's why I'm sitting right here. Like, that's why my friends have to drag me in every single day. Because you're asking me to do something I cannot do. God's going to ask you to do something that you don't feel like you can do, right? Some of you know exactly, like, you feel God prompting you to do something, you're like, I don't know how. How do you think this guy felt? But what, what, what do the disciples do? They don't just tell him to stand up and walk. What do they do? They reach out and help him stand up, don't they? Like, when God calls you to do something that you don't think you can do, God reaches out a hand to help you. He's not saying, I want you to do this on your own. He's saying, I want you to be obedient enough to grab my hand and to trust me. And that's what this guy does. Do I trust God enough to do it? Because it's, it, it's only when he stood up and started doing something he never thought he could do that God did something in his life he'd never done. And it took faith. And we kind of miss that in the story. The amount of faith this guy must have had. Not frustration that, that he's being asked to do something he didn't think he could do, but faith to actually extend and, and take Peter's hand. And in that moment after decades of not being able to walk, still trusting, maybe God could do this. Verse 8, he jumped up, stood on his feet, and he began to walk. And by the way, there's not a lot of exclamation points in the Bible, so when there is one, it's a pretty exciting deal. And there's two in this passage. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, leaping for the first time in his life, and praising God, he went to the temple with them. All of the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Why? Because they knew who that guy was, right? He was like a local legend. He was the guy that, stood at, that, that like sat at the gates every single week and every single day and asked for money and just wait. Like That's what everybody knew him as. He was like a local, like everyone knew this guy. And so to see him walking around, they're like, what is going on right now? Like Because all they know, his only identity to, to them is he's the cursed guy who can't walk. So now he's leaping through the temple, and it's probably freaking them out, right? Verse 11, they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John, like embracing them, excited. He shows up. Through these two men, God speaks to him and says, I want to heal you. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just about hearing from God. He responds. Like one of the ways I show I'm consistently prioritizing this time of the week is I willingly respond to the message. I do what God's calling me to do. And I believe every week. By the way, God speaks to me about this stuff before Sunday when I'm sermon prepping. So like God's working in my heart on this stuff 
while I'm preparing so that by Sunday, God's spoken and he's already showed me, here's how I need to respond. And so by Sunday, I get to share this with excitement and passion because God's already worked this out in my week. Like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, he's already working it out in my heart. But it's not just about hearing from God, it's responding. It's, by the way, it's way easier to hear from God than to respond, right? And some of us are in that position, just like the, the beggar, where we know what God's calling us to do. We know what God wants to do, and he's extending a hand. He's like, stand up and walk. I'm like, I can't, God. I can't do it. You're asking me to do something I don't know how to do. He's like, that's okay. I'm not saying you need to know how to do it. I'm saying to do it, and I'm going to help you. And some of you right now, you know exactly what that is that he's calling you to be obedient to. And he's reaching out his hand. He's like, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen because I've got you. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for coming and ready to hear from me. Now, now on this day, after, after decades of him showing up, God had something different for him. Like imagine if he missed that day. Imagine if he gave up the day before, right? He would have missed this. We'd never have this story. He would have died crippled. But he kept showing up. James 1.22, don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. It's not just about hearing from God. It's about responding to God. The, the beggar had this miraculous encounter with God because he kept showing up day after day, and he had no idea that after like a daily, yearly pattern that on this special day, God was going to heal him. What if he'd given up? What if he'd say, I've been doing this every day. I'm just... Like, God, I thought he was going to heal me by now, and he didn't. What if he stopped the week before? So we never know what God has in store for us. That's why it's so important we're consistent. We don't know which messages are going to hit us, like, right when we need them. We just don't. That's how God works. That's why it's so important that this is a priority to us. It doesn't mean God can't speak to you outside of this. He absolutely can, and he will if you listen. But there's something special about this time together that he might want to say to you, and you might miss that opportunity. I'll close with this story. Um, has anybody here in, been to an arcade in New Hampshire called Fun Spot before? Okay. Oh, now everyone's awake. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about Fun Spot. I discovered Fun Spot a few months ago, and um, this is the greatest thing about New England. It really is. Like, it's cool that we won the Super Bowl and that we're World Series champs. We've got the best seafood in the world, and we've got the great beaches. But Fun Spot, this arcade, is really the best thing about New England. It's the largest arcade in the world, and it's in the middle of nowhere New Hampshire. And you could literally drive right past it every single day and not realize it is the largest arcade in the world. And it has all of these old school arcades, and all of them are a quarter, which is amazing, because most arcades now, skee-ball is like $1.25, and that's frustrating, because it lasts 12 seconds, right? This is a quarter, and so I, I went there with uh, a few friends. I've been there like three times. I discovered it in February, and I live in a different state, and I've already been three times. It's sad, but, um, but we had a men's conference called the Warriors Conference up in that area, and we were like 40 minutes away from there, which to me is really close because it's amazing, and so uh, myself and one of our pastors, Brian, uh, and then two of our worship leaders, Joe uh, and Levi. Levi's the one that looks like he's 12 that's up here sometimes leading. Um, yeah, the four of us went to this arcade together, and we were so excited about it. And it's like, like if you grew up playing video games, you step in, and you're, you're like a little kid again. Some of you are like, I'm 40, and I play video games. I don't know what you're saying. 
Okay, I'll just move on then. But uh, everything's a quarter, and they have all of like the arcade games that are like a total waste of money because it's just like you're just trying to hit the jackpot. You know what I'm talking about? We're like, it's not even really a game. You just put a quarter in, and it tells you that you lost. It, it, that's, that's what it is. And, um, and so like we're doing this one, and we're like kind of wrapping up. Like we're ready to go, and for 10 bucks, you get all these quarters, and because each game is one quarter, like it takes forever to get through all the quarters. And so we, we'd been there for like an hour and a half, and we're like ready to go, but we all have like, like half of our quarters still left. So we go over to like one of these jackpot machines and just start pumping in quarters where like, like each play is like three seconds. It drops a quarter, and it has to land like right on this dot to get the jackpot, but if it's like 90% but not 100%, it just gives you one ticket. And so we're just going through it over and over, and Brian... Um, is just like, he acts like he knows all the mathematic algorithms of, nobody does, because it's random. And it's some guy in Japan that's laughing at us because there is no algorithm. And he's just taking all our quarters, because he designed it in, like eight, 20 years ago. And so he's pumping in all these, and after like 38 quarters, one hits the jackpot, and he, ha and he wins like 850 tickets. <laughs> it was amazing! And then it like motivated, inspired me. I'm like, I'm going to do the same thing. So I go to another, and I start pumping in the quarters. And I didn't even get a picture of mine because I only won 500. But like I pumped it in, and like after 40, you're just putting them in rapid fire. And then one just smacked. And then 500, I'm like, yes! And so I take it over to the arcade, to the, like, the, the counter that has all the crummy prizes. And you realize 500 tickets gets you like a lollipop. And you're like, what? <laughs> and so I got this. Little, I got two of these, one for Holly, one for Hayden. This is what you get for 500 tickets. Isn't this amazing? So this, I brought this home to my daughter, and, you know, she's one, so she's easily impressed. And, uh, and she looks at it, and she holds it tightly. And the first sentence she ever said, she goes, Father, this puppy is meaningful, and it changed our family dynamic. Thank God for fun spots. She said all that. That's a direct quote. She's like, I will name her Cassandra, and she will be our fifth sergeant family member. This was so meaningful, it, brought, it saved our family, is what it did. What happens if I would have given up the quarter before? What happens if after 35 quarters, Brian's like, okay, this is a waste of time? What happens if that guy stopped coming the day before God wanted to heal him? What happens if you decided to pull out on coming to church because God's not showing up in the way that you want him to? And meanwhile, right around the corner, God's waiting for you, and he's got something special and significant. That's why it's so important that we're consistent. That's why I want to be at the temple when God wants me to be at the temple, because I believe that he has something to say to me. That's why I love being able to preach the word of God, because for me, I have to come from a place of honesty and authenticity. I have to say I'm living this out before I can tell you guys that God wants you to do it too. So whenever, like God's working in my heart on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and Sean and I, were sermon prepping together, and like we're talking about what does this mean for us? Like we can't be hypocritical. Like I want to do what God called me to do. God wants to do something miraculous in your family. But you have to be here. Prioritize this. Because it is different. It's not just something on your Sunday schedule. And somebody who's growing closer in their faith will start prioritizing going to the house of God to meet with the people of God to hear from the word of God because they believe God has something to say to them. Let's pray together.
Lord, um, God, I thank you that your voice is living and active. Lord, I thank you that you do want to speak to us. And some of us right now, we don't know even what that means. But we do know that when we hear a talk like this, that there's things that stand out to us and that resonate with us. And to me, that's just as much you speaking to us. So God, I pray even right now that with my friends, with my church family here, that you, you can help us to see like what, what does it look like for us? What's the next step that we need to do? How can we be, God, how can we be more prioritizing this? How can we be, uh, come in ready with an expectant heart to hear from you, God? What is it right now that you're trying to tell us? I pray that that's our prayer coming in and that's our prayer walking out is, God, what did you have for me? Because I don't want to miss it, God. If you want to speak to me, I don't ever want to miss that. If the God of the universe wants to say something to me, I don't ever want to miss that, God. So, Lord, I thank you that you do want to meet with us each week. I thank you that this building, there's nothing special about this building, but I thank you that there is something special about this service because this is the one time all week that we come together to hear from you. So I pray that you give us the ears to hear from you and the obedience and the boldness to respond even when you call us to do something we don't think we can do on our own. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.